We'll hear argument now, number 94, 1039, uh, Roy Romer versus Richard G. Evans. Mr. Timkovich. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, this case involves a challenge to the authority of a state to allocate certain lawmaking power among its state and local governments. Colorado's Amendment 2 reserves to the state the decision of whether to extend special protections under state law on the basis of homosexual or bisexual conduct or orientation. The sole question here is whether, in this facial challenge, that statewide reservation of authority should be nullified under this Court's prior holdings in James v. Valtierra and Hunter v. Erickson. That question can be authoritatively resolved for two core reasons. First, the logic and holding of James is indistinguishable and controls here. Secondly, the rationality of the substantive policy judgment that has so far motivated Congress and other states in deciding not to extend Title VII protections or other to uh, homosexuals and bisexuals similarly supports the decision of Colorado to reserve that question to itself on a statewide basis. It may be, Council, that we have to reach that question, but it seems to me there's a predicate or a preliminary matter that we ought to discuss at some point during your oral argument. Usually when we have an equal protection question, we measure the objective of the legislature against the class that is adopted against the statutory classification. Uh, here, the classification seems to be adopted for its own sake. I've, I've never seen a case like this. Is, is there any precedent in, that you can cite to, to the court where we've upheld a law such as this? Your Honor, in James versus Valtierra, the court was presented with a question involving a state constitutional amendment that also identified a classification, in that case, low-income persons. And in not analyzing the question there, the court fundamentally, fundamentally looked at whether Hunter versus Erickson should extend beyond the specific racial context in which but, it was but decided. But the whole point in James was that we knew that it was low-income housing, and we could measure the need, the importance, the objectives of the legislature to uh, control low-cost housing against the classification that was adopted. Here, the classification is just adopted for its own sake, with reference to all purposes of the law. So, so James doesn't work. The classification in James did involve a reference to a specific subset of persons, an identifiable group under the theory of the Colorado Supreme Court. I, I, I know it adopted a theory of a group, but it was with reference to a specific legislative objective, low-cost housing. Here, the classification is adopted to fence out, in the Colorado Supreme Court's word, uh, the class for all purposes. And I've never seen a statute. Your Honor, the objective here was to resolve an issue of whether or not to extend special protections to homosexuals and bisexuals. Well, so Mr. The issue Timkovich, the language of the amendment, I guess, has never been actually interpreted by the Colorado courts. The Colorado has it been construed or interpreted as yet? Your Honor, this is a facial challenge, and the provision was enjoined before it ever went into effect. Right. For basis of this appeal, the Colorado court did make an interpretation that, at least to the extent that it preempted local laws and state provisions, that's all the farther it went. Well, does it mean that uh, homosexuals are not covered by Colorado's laws of general applicability? No, it does not. In the How do we know that? I mean, the literal language would indicate that, for example, uh, a public library could refuse to allow uh, books to be borrowed by homosexuals, and there would be no relief from that, apparently. There, there are a couple of reasons. First, in the second 
opinion of the Colorado Supreme Court, what I'll call Evans 2, the Colorado Supreme Court did in footnote 9 of that opinion make reference to some general laws of, of general applicability and found that those would not be displaced by Amendment 2. Secondly, does, the, does it displace uh, courts in Colorado? Can a court hear a 1983 case in Colorado absolutely. Uh, dealing with discrimination? Yeah, yes, it may. There, if it, there's a homosexual plaintiff. It, it absolutely changes no provisions under federal law in access to the court or vindication of one's equal protection rights, nor does, nor does it affect well, the how, state. How do we know that? I mean, I don't read anything in the opinion that tells me what the thing means. The um, cons construction that we have offered is well supported by the legislative history and the intent of the proponents. We think that the law clearly on its face refers to state enactments and state policies and does not displace any federal law or policy. The ballot analysis, which we presented in, in our uh, appendix to the petition, makes it clear that this was not ex extend, intended to extend beyond state and local laws. So it's our view that under the Supremacy Clause, as well as under a plain interpretation of the amendment, that federal law would not be disrupted. Moreover, Mr. Temkovich, even uh, focusing on state law alone, federal law is, of course, supreme. Yes. As Justice Kennedy pointed out, James V. Valtieri dealt with one issue, low-cost housing. There were dozens of other ways in which to improve the status of the poor to fight against the blight of poverty. But here, it's everything. Thou shalt not have access to the ordinary legislative process for anything that will improve the condition of this particular group. And I would like to know whether in all of U.S. history there has been any legislation like this that earmarks a group and says, you will not be able to appeal to your state legislature to improve your status. You will need a constitutional change to do that. Your Honor, it's not unprecedented in the sense that it's a preemptive law. It is unusual to the extent that two strands of the law come together, but the court's cases have made it clear that it's appropriate to withdraw authority over certain issues from a local level to a higher level of state government. Mr. Kennedy, what about, what about laws prohibiting uh, bigamy or prohibiting homosexuality or homosexual conduct? Incidentally, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you interpret the uh, bisexual orientation uh, language, homosexual, lesbian, or bisexual orientation. Does that require any conduct, or is it just a disposition? It's unclear from this text. However, the reason that that language is in Amendment 2 is because this was a plain response to certain laws that had been enacted by state and local government that used the term bisexual. But it could in include either conduct or orientation. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's unclear I, how you determine I want to know what you mean by w what is meant by if, if all orientation means is someone who engages in, in, in homosexual, lesbian, or bisexual acts, then you have plenty of, uh, pr plenty of uh, precedent in response to your question, namely state laws that absolutely criminalize uh, such activity, uh, bigamy, homosexuality. Colorado has no law that um, prohibits consensual homosexual. No, Colorado re repealed its sodomy law in 1972, but to answer well, Justice Scalia's question, it is unclear whether conduct defines the class. Many courts have so held in looking at the issue of a uh, classification involved. Well, you, you, you have, have no position on it? You no. have no position on it? 
Yes, we believe that conduct is uh, is the best indicator of... Well, is it the sole indicator? Are you representing to this court that Colorado's position is that the class-defining characteristic is conduct as opposed to preference or proclivity? No, Your Honor, because that was immaterial to the litigation below. There was an attempt by the respondents to prove a suspect class. Well, then we have to do one of two things. We have to assume that orientation means something more than conduct. Or if there were a serious question, I suppose we would have to send it back and ask the courts of Colorado to tell us. But is there a serious question? I don't think that there's a serious question that... So that orientation means something more than conduct, and we have to assume that in in, in, uh, ruling on this challenge, don't we? I think that that doesn't change the legal position of the state with respect to this classification. May, may I go back to, to one point that you have made, and you've made it more than once, about the, I guess about the legal position of the state. You've referred to the issue as, as uh, the permissibility of withdrawing uh, subject matter uh, from political consideration at a certain level. You said it has been reserved for a higher level of, of political action. It seems to me that there are two things wrong with that characterization. One of them has already been brought up, and that is uh, this is not merely a reservation for this particular subject to be dealt with, for example, by statewide referendum. Uh, It is, in fact, a provision that no law may be made uh, addressing addressing for protective purposes this kind of discrimination. The second thing that seems to me inaccurate about the characterization you're giving us is that this is not merely a reservation of a subject matter. Uh, That is not the, the subject of the claim. The claim is that there is a discrimination in the reservation of the subject matter or a discrimination in the provision for uh, eligibility uh, or, or, or exercise of legislative power. It seems to me that as you characterize it, it would sound like a due process challenge. But in fact, it's an equal protection challenge because there's a discrimination involved. Isn't that correct? Your Honor, there is a classification involved, but there is no invidious discrimination. All the fact that the law... What, is, what does invidious mean? I think it means an arbitrary or irrational classification, and that is not the case here. I think we've shown that there are... But in any case, you recognize that this is not the same problem uh, that might be raised if a certain subject matter, e.g. discrimination, were reserved for legislative action at the state level rather than local level. This is a different problem, isn't it? I think it's an equal protection problem, but the question is, does it impinge on a suspect class here, or has right, it been some type of Right, but it's a different problem from a mere reservation of a broad spectrum of action for political action at one level rather than other. It's a different problem from that. No, Your Honor, because of the way the lower court well, characterizes the fundamental I'm right sorry? here. Well, are you saying then that, and maybe this is what you're saying, that if the equal protection challenge uh, is in fact recognized or vindicated here, that there is no way to prevent this from, in effect, ballooning into a due process challenge, that if they win this, then a different kind of claim will also succeed, i.e. a claim that a certain subject matter, discrimination or not, must be dealt with for federal purposes of federal law at a certain level of government? Is that your argument? No, Your Honor, we don't think that... It's not a slippery slope argument. You're not saying we go from if if equal protection challenge wins here, due process challenge necessarily wins too. You're not saying that. There's been no due process... Due process but that's not what you're in, arguing. In this case, and there is a that's not what you're arguing. That's yeah. correct. There is a but you see, the ban extends to state legislation as well as to local legislation here. It's not a question of who can do it, but the 
state itself can't do it through the ordinary legislative process. It will take a constitutional change. Well, the initiative is the ordinary political process in our state. We've had many repeals and other substantive matters on our statewide ballot. We had four on the four repeal measures on the ballot the same year that Amendment 2 was Mr. enacted. Simcovich, I was trying to think of something comparable to this, and what occurred to me is that this political means of going at the local level first is familiar in American politics. In fact, it was the way that the suffragists worked. When they were unable to achieve the vote statewide, they did it on a city's first approach. And I take it from what you are arguing, that if there had been a referendum that said, no local ordinance can give women the vote, that that would have been constitutional. No, Your Honor, I think that that classification would be analyzed under this court's equal protection jurisprudence on suspect Oh, cast your mind back to the days before the 19th Amendment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, think the, I think the court would apply the traditional equal protection analysis. And what would have happened? They would have determined whether or not there was a fundamental right to vote that had been impinged on, or whether But there was women, no right to vote for or, women. Right, or under the 14th Amendment, or whether women were a suspect class entitled to some heightened scrutiny in the circumstances. And if they weren't? If they weren't, the court would, in, then it would, would enact a rational basis type of review. Yes, and that's what you're urging here. We're urging, yes, we're urging for this classification that the court engage in a rational basis type of review. No court has found homosexual orientation or conduct to be a suspect classification. Therefore, the traditional equal protection model should be applied in this case. What, what is now required under Colorado law, assuming that this uh, constitutionality of this is upheld, in order to change that provision? Uh, it would be a, what, a statewide referendum? That's right, Your Honor. There would be an initiative or a referred measure from our state legislature, and it would be placed on the ballot in the same fashion that the uh, Amendment 2 was placed on the ballot in the first instance. So there would be that mere opportunity for the uh, opponents of Amendment 2, just like there were for the proponents. And to further answer Justice Ginsburg's question, what the respondents here are saying is that those who oppose certain types of special protections here cannot get their policy preference vindicated through the legislative process unless they are able to successfully preempt or repeal such laws at the local level. When you talk about special protection, this brings me back to an earlier question about, about discrimination in libraries. Uh, what, how do you interpret the, uh, the, the term uh, minority status quota preferences, protected status. You mean, that, what does that mean? Protected status would be a particular affirmative positive piece of legislation that granted some type of protection. Special protection beyond what? Beyond uh, the, the 14th Amendment baseline. So why wouldn't that have been your answer to the library hypothetical that was uh, produced earlier? Any, no, no, no homosexual can, can be... Uh, treated differently from other people. He simply cannot be given special protection by reason of that, uh, of that uh, status. That's right. Amendment 2 is simply the 14th that, Amendment 4. How that works in the public accommodation area. If a, a hotel or a restaurant, uh, common law, I think, had some kind of an innkeeper's duty to take everybody in, uh, could an innkeeper refuse accommodations to a homosexual who was not engaging in any homosexual conduct but had admitted that he had that uh, type of tendency? Could an innkeeper... Uh, under in Colorado, just say, I'm sorry, we don't we don't rent rooms to people like you. To the extent there was some tort law 
of general applicability in those circumstances about innkeeper's duty, we don't think that Amendment 2 would knock that out. To the extent it... So you would say the the, the public accommodations protection is still available to... uh, Amendment 2 would carve out any special protections in the public accommodation uh, area that had been extended to homosexuals. What what would the rule be in Colorado? Uh, How do you understand the law there? Now, would a homosexual have a right to be served in a restaurant? A homosexual would not have any claim of discrimination or special liability theory in a private setting after Amendment 2. Even even in the public accommodation area? Unless the court, and again, we haven't had a a full construction of Amendment 2 yet from our state courts, unless a state court construed the innkeeper's duty uh, to be a law of general applicability that might apply here. Do you know what the law of Colorado is on that point? I do not. I have not not encountered that, Your Honor. So we don't know whether homosexuals have a right to be served or not? That'll be a question for the state courts interpreting Amendment 2. But but if they do have a right to be served, would that be an affirmative right then, as in the distinction Justice Scalia was drawing, or would that be just being treated like everybody else? I think it would be treated just like any other characteristic or classification that has not gotten the special benefits of the civil rights law. And, and, and being, being, having the right not to be refused a job or uh, to rent on that ground is, not, is, is a special right. Unless not being it, just like everybody else. That would, that, would, that would bring it into the range of uh, private choice and private arrangements unless there is some particular law that would dis- disable that ability by private landlords. there can't be such a particular law in Colorado, I don't understand. Unless Amendment 2 are repealed or there is some general provision that might apply. One one last question. What is the rational basis for this statute? The purpose of this statute was to preempt state and local laws that extended special protections. It was a response to political activism by a political group that wanted to seek special affirmative protections. Well, it went farther because there were political groups that had already, as I understand it, Aspen had a protective statute of some kind. That's correct, Your Honor. And it, it's what is the rational basis for the people outside of Aspen telling the people in Aspen they cannot have that statute? Amendment 2 covers a range of, of circumstances, not just the preemption of the local ordinances, but it did do that. It also served what, as What a, is the rational basis for the people outside of Aspen telling the people in Aspen they cannot have this non-discriminatory provision? The rationale is is any law of general preemption that wants to make a substantive decision. And the people here, the rational basis for that substantive uh, decision, in our view, was a political response to what the people might have perceived as laws going too far, being too intrusive. Well, the state state of Virginia has a very broad state preemption doctrine that uh, local governments do not have the power in Virginia that they do in many other places. And I suppose the rational basis for that is just that the people generally would prefer to have the rules set by the state at large rather than by local governments. That's correct, Your Honor, and there's nothing wrong, especially in this area of civil rights and statewide protections, in making that an issue of statewide concern. And Mr. that's simply Tinkovich, what Colorado doesn't that go back to the problem I tried to raise earlier? You're saying that as a general matter, certain laws uh, can be, uh, as a matter, can be determined. Uh, as subject to action uh, at one political level and not at others. Mm -hmm. But isn't the question here is, what is the rational basis for determining that affirmative protection for homosexuals cannot be dealt with at a certain level, whereas affirmative protection for the aged, uh, for the handicapped, and so on, can be? Isn't that what the rational basis has to address? And how does your answer to Justice Stevens address it? Your Honor, that's a quintessential political judgment on how you provide relative to uh, protect. Well, it's a judgment that is made politically, but that doesn't state a rational basis. I mean, if we were saying, if we were asking you this question, 
Why should discrimination be dealt with in Colorado uh, at the state level rather than uh, the local level or at the constitutional level or whatnot? Um, is that a denial uh, of, of any constitutional right? And you said, no, that's a political choice. Colorado, the people of Colorado can decide what level to deal with this problem. That would, it seems to me, answer a, a substantive due process challenge. But that's not the question that's being asked here. The question that's being asked here is, why is discrimination against one group dealt with under state law differently from discrimination against other groups? And, and your rational basis answer, it seems to me, has got to go to a justification for the classification. It isn't enough simply to say, oh, well, that's what politics decided. Your Honor, and that, that's not my response. I think there are some particular discrete reasons also, and this is uh, to answer uh, Justice Ginsburg's question also. Um, this issue was seen as particularly desirable for a statewide uniform uh, determination. There's a question about the desirability of each local jurisdiction dealing with this issue, which I think raises some very fundamental and sensitive cultural, moral, political concerns for our state. Well, it, like it does, but are, are you getting any further uh, than, than simply the answer that's what they wanted. That's the result of the political process. I don't see in your answer the kind of justification independent merely of majority will, which an equal protection classification uh, question calls. Your Honor, in addition to uh, statewide uniformity, we've also um, advanced some reasons that show how uh, Amendment 2 advances other liberty interests. And there are competing liberty interests that What's are What's the liberty interest that it advances? It promotes a zone of autonomy, the uh, state Supreme Court and the trial court found that uh, religious liberty interests were advanced here, associational liberties were advanced here, and the court simply made a determination below that they were not narrowly tailored. Mr. Timkovich, so, if this is an ordinary equal protection challenge and there's no heightened scrutiny, isn't it an adequate answer to uh, Justice Souter's question to say this is the only area in which we've had a problem? If if localities started passing special laws giving favored treatment to people with blue eyes, we might have a statewide referendum on that as well. Isn't one step at a time a normal response to equal protection? That's exactly what happened here, and but the what court is needs the, only what is the one problem? conceivable basis. I mean, what is the problem that you supposedly have been having? I think the, the, pr the problem that the voters saw, they were presented with an opportunity to preempt and make a decision at a statewide level for laws that raise particular and sensitive liberty state, concerns. You, state subdivisions giving preferences which the majority of the people in the state did not think were desirable for social reasons. Isn't that the problem that was seen? That's right. And if they should start giving preferences for some other reason that the majority of the state did not consider desirable, let's say bigamy, special preferences to bigamous couples, there would be a law on that subject as well. Isn't your answer, this is the only area where the people apparently saw a problem, that is an, which is enough for equal protection? It is, and this is an area where there have been piecemeal additions of special protections. We've had what is the special so, preference at stake here? What is the special preference that the homosexual gets? I think it creates a cause of action uh, on the basis of a characteristic that's not available to the general population at large. Homosexuals are entitled to every other protection of the civil rights laws. But you just, laws you just said that in, apart from whatever the common law might be, with this ordinance on the, with this uh, amendment on the books, a restaurant owner can say, sorry, I don't want to serve gay people. And what about, um, take a scarce resource. Think of a public hospital that has a kidney dialysis machine. And the hospital says, we have to limit this. And one group that we're going to keep out, we're not going to have any gay, any lesbian, 
person use this, uh, use this facility. Now, there would be, under this amendment, what recourse? Well, first of all, there's federal law that may preempt. And secondly, there is an opportunity, as we construe Amendment 2, for um, the state to enact a policy that would treat all citizens the same in those circumstances, rather than carve out a special event. But let's just have the law as it is right now. There's a scarce resource, there's a basis, there has to be some rules about who can use it and who can't. That's the rule that the public hospital sets. Under this amendment, that's okay, right? In, the, in this facial challenge, we don't know how the court is going to construe other potentially how, applicable how, state laws. I do have one question on that point, which I'd like to ask. The statute says no agency shall adopt or enforce any policy whereby homosexual conduct or whatever, orientation, shall be the basis of any claim of discrimination. So if a police department says there's been a lot of gay bashing, it's our policy. Stop it. If the head librarian says, you're making gays sit, you're being mean to them and letting, not letting them in, it's, stop it. If the health department says the same thing, if the insurance commissioner says the same thing, doesn't this word policy cover that? And if it doesn't cover it, what is it about? The government agencies that you've indicated could enact a general non Bias policy no, no. What they say is they put up Regulation 14.2. There's been gay bashing here. Stop it. They put it more politely, but that's what they mean. Amendment 2 would not prohibit that. It would not prohibit, would not prohibit that. Prohibit then what does the word policy prohibit? Policy prohibits the in enactment of some special entitlement. No, but what could be an example? What, what could it possibly be? What is policy if it isn't? The policy of the department saying, do not discriminate against gays. Mr. Timkovich, I assume you're, in your state you're not allowed to bash non-gays either, are you? No, the criminal So prohibiting the right. bashing of gays would not be a special protection, would it? It would just be enforcing a general law. Yes, and Amendment 2 does nothing to restrict isn't, isn't the Isn't that the response to but, justice? But does it, right. my, my, does it prevent what, give me an example of what it prevents. Does it prevent the police department, the librarian, the, the dozens of state agencies from putting up a piece of paper that says policy? It is our policy in this department not to discriminate against gays. You're saying it doesn't prohibit that. Then what does it prohibit? It prohibits any type of special protection or a liability claim that somebody might have under that policy. But yeah. it seems to me that your, your answer is inconsistent uh, to what the Supreme Court of Colorado said. It's, it's, it said health insurance discrimination regulations are void. The health is That's that, uh, based, based on uh, sexual orientation. The health, health the, uh, that regulation did carve out a what would be construed Well, that's inconsistent with the answer you gave to Justice Breyer. I don't think so, Your Honor, because I thought he was talking about a law of general applicability. No, uh, look, a police look what, suppose Boulder, Colorado says, it is our policy in Boulder not to discriminate against gays. They call it call Boulder Regulation 14.2. Uh, is that uh, forbidden by this? Uh, yes, it would. All right. Now, suppose the police department does exactly the same thing. Is that forbidden by this? The police department would be governed by a rule of general application. So the police department, not, not I don't understand, so is the city of Colorado. They're all governed by, they can't governed discriminate by the arbitrarily. They're My point is, suppose that the police department says exactly the same thing. You say that's not forbidden. That's correct. Okay. Your Honor, may I reserve the balance of my time for rebuttal? Yes, thank you, Mr. Timkovich. Uh, Ms. Dubosky, we'll hear from you. 
Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Let me begin with how Amendment 2 should be construed, and then discuss how our legal theories relate to its unique combination of breadth and selectivity. Amendment 2 is vertically broad in that it prohibits all levels of government in the state of Colorado from ever providing any opportunity for one to seek protection from discrimination on the basis of gay orientation. Well, when you say all levels of government in Colorado, uh, Ms. Dubofsky, you, you don't include the people by referendum, I take it, or the people by initiative. No, we do not. And I have one more very specific question. What about the courts? Can the courts interpret a statute that prohibits uh, unreasonable denial of uh, public accommodations to include uh, gays by a specific judgment that uh, deals with the rights of gay people? The state has conceded that Amendment 2 is unconstitutional to the degree it would prohibit such a claim based upon federal law. No, no, no. Uh, I meant state courts interpreting state public accommodation laws. Our theory is that Amendment 2 on its face prohibits a state court from recognizing such a claim. But that particular interpretation of the amendment is not necessary for this court to find that Amendment 2 is unconstitutional. Thank you. And that particular interpretation has, has not been given by the Supreme Court of Colorado. That's it right. Is not That's right. The Colorado Supreme Court interpreted the amendment, and it said it was doing this as a minimum because that was all that was necessary in order to find the amendment unconstitutional. It interpreted the amendment to mean that state and local governments are barred from promulgating and enforcing rules that declare discrimination against gay people by both government and private actors to be arbitrary. So that would include Justice Breyer's general policy suggestion with respect to the police department. Well, what do we do about the, the uh, counsel for the other side said, no, it doesn't forbid the police department from having a rule saying don't discriminate against gays. It doesn't forbid any of these agencies from having such a rule. The Colorado Supreme Court interpretation of this amendment is authoritative for purposes of, of this argument, I believe, and the Wh Colorado Supreme Court... Wh where does it say that in the Colorado Supreme Court? It says that on page B-3, D-24... Of the white, the white appendix? Uh, the yes, in the white appendix. B-3, D-24, and D-25. D is in does? D is in David or does, David. yes. Let me see. And I don't have the way in which the Colorado Supreme Court says that is by giving examples of the types of provisions that would be repealed by the amendment or precluded from enactment in the future. Where, well, B3, what, what, what does it say on B3 that, uh, that says that? Um, is it B? Or? It's B3. You said B is in? B is in boy. boy. It seems it's to me it says uh, the, the effect, the ultimate effect is prohibit any government from adopting similar or more protective statutes, regulations, orders in the future. Yes, and it refers back to the first sentence. It says that the immediate objective of Amendment 2 is at a, median, at a minimum to repeal existing statutes, regulations, ordinances, and policies. Then on page... Wait, that barred discrimination based on sexual orientation. I assume that that means special provisions, giving special protection. 
Well, as I'm... opposed to a general law that says you have to not just not just accept homosexuals, but all citizens have to be accommodated at hotels. That's correct. There are general laws that As say... opposed to a special law that says a private homeowner who wants to rent a room, you know, the mom and uh, family that wants to do bed and breakfast, cannot discriminate in the people it accepts, although it has no obligation to take the public at large. It can, it can decide to take only Irishmen if it wants, but it cannot discriminate on the basis of homosexuality. I thought that's the kind of law the court is referring to here. The Colorado Supreme Court is yes. referring to? No, I don't think so. I think it's referring to the general ordinances that were preempted by Amendment 2. And in Colorado, those general ordinances either have specific exceptions for exactly the type of example you gave, or they have never been enforced to have someone in the Mrs. Murphy's boarding house situation required to accept someone who you, does... You mean no general laws can, can be applied to homosexuals now? They, they can be bashed, they can be murdered, they, all sorts of things. Is that what it means? We think it can mean that, but we don't think the Colorado Supreme Court found it necessary to go that far in its interpretation. I... And we're not arguing it that, that it needs to be interpreted that broadly in order to find amendment to... I don't think the Colorado Supreme Court did interpret it that broadly. I think they interpreted it to refer to special protections accorded to homosexuals and not to the public at large. I think we're having trouble a little bit with um, semantics. One of the difficulties is the use of the word special protection in this case. I don't think there is such a thing as special rights or special protections. I think there's a right which everyone has to be free from arbitrary discrimination. No, but if, if, if I go and ask a homeowner to take me in on bed and breakfast and the homeowner says, I don't like Italians, that's my tough luck unless there's a law against it. It's that person's house and that person is entitled not to like Italians and not to rent rooms to Italians. That's fine. Unless there's a law against it. And you can have such a law prohibiting the rental of rooms or refusal to rental on the basis of racial discrimination or on the basis of homosexuality if you want to make that a category. And I think that this law says no special protection on that basis. Why isn't that a special protection, one that is not given to everyone? Right, D24, D25 with some particular examples, wasn't that? That's right, D24. Colleges, state colleges, the insurance example. That's right, that's right. And all of those particular laws say that there shall be no discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. They apply to everyone. They're laws of general applicability. Amendment 2 preempts those laws or precludes or bars those laws only on the basis that they provide protection for people on the basis of gay sexual orientation. Yes, but, you, but, but they are laws that provide special protection for that particular category of person, which they don't provide to people at large. You can refuse to hire someone because you don't like the way he combs his hair. There's no law that says combing of hair is a, not a proper basis of discrimination. If you don't like that, you can refuse to hire him. Special protection is given by this law, which they cite, by reason of homosexual uh, uh, orientation or, or conduct. Well, in Colorado... Is not special? In Colorado, there is a law that says one cannot be terminated from employment for any legal off-duty conduct and gives one the basis for a claim that if your employer doesn't like the way you comb your hair, that was a, an improper reason for terminating your employment. Does the state college, can a state university uh, decide not to admit a student under generally applicable law because it doesn't like the way he combs his hair? 
That's a question I'm not sure I know the answer. I mean, can state universities discriminate arbitrarily? Can state insurance commissioners discriminate arbitrarily? I I would assume not. I mean, I I, I don't think they can discriminate arbitrarily. No, they shouldn't be able to. Let me put it to you this way. Suppose there's a a Colorado ordinance or a city ordinance which said you cannot bar people from public accommodations for any arbitrary or unreasonable uh, reason. Uh, could a court in Colorado find that barring, after this uh, amendment, could a court in Colorado find that it was unreasonable or arbitrary to bar a person from public accommodations by reason of sexual orientation? I think a court could find that, yes. Uh, Despite the uh, provision in the Constitution that says no, no preferences should be given? Well, it depends upon whether the court is referring to more general equal protection law on a federal no, level. No, no, no. It's, 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 talk, it's talking about interpreting a statute that says you cannot deny for an arbitrary or unreasonable, uh, on a basis of an arbitrary or unreasonable criterion. If that criteria in the particular case is because the person who was denied that benefit is a gay person, then I think under Amendment 2, the court would not be able to provide relief. Now, we don't think that this court needs to resolve that type of a specific issue, the application of Amendment 2, in order to find Amendment 2 unconstitutional. But isn't the very purpose of this ordinance to say it's not arbitrary to leave out of a catalog of uh, protection against discrimination? It's not arbitrary to leave out um, homosexual, lesbian, persons of homosexual, lesbian, or bisexual orientation. Amendment 2, it interpreted at its broadest, would authorize that type of discrimination. But even, even on a narrower interpretation, even, for example, if, if Amendment 2 didn't touch, touch courts, wouldn't it be very difficult for the courts of Colorado to say that that was an irrational or an arbitrary basis for discrimination? with Amendment 2 on the books, even if Amendment 2 is narrowly construed? Yes, it would be, I believe. And we argue in our brief that Amendment 2 would prevent a court from providing a remedy in these circumstances. We think it does on its face. However, the Colorado Supreme Court... Because it refers to departments of the government. Absolutely. But the Colorado Supreme Court didn't think it was necessary to go that far in order to find the amendment. Well, we really don't have a definitive interpretation, I guess, of how far this amendment would go. I think the arguments and responses this morning are illustrative of the fact that we're not sure. I think we do have a definitive interpretation from the Colorado Supreme Court. It's at pages D20... And D24, actually. And that's where the court I looked at that. I I just thought that that wasn't definitive. Um, There are still questions about how far it would go and the extent to which it reaches courts and so forth. One of the difficulties with this amendment is that you have no idea what type of general rule might be necessary in the future to prevent arbitrary discrimination against gay people. Well, isn't it your position, Ms. Dubofsky, that you, you, can, uh, sustain, uh, you can sustain the Colorado Supreme Court's decision overthrowing the statute by taking just what the Colorado Supreme Court said was the minimum meaning? Yes, that's and correct. And so you don't have to get beyond that, in your view, in order to uphold your position. That's correct. And this is a facial challenge. And this is a facial challenge. Which, which means that you take the position that there are no applications 
in which the statute can be can be constitutional. Well, we would here because we think the minimal interpretation here is sufficient to find the amendment unconstitutional. That, which means there are no applications that would be constitutional. It doesn't necessarily mean that there are no applications that would be constitutional. It, it just means that those are irrelevant. Well, that's not what our, our case law involving facial challenges says. If you wanted to wait for, a, for an as-applied challenge, you might pick an unconstitutional situation and litigate that. But when you challenge it on, your fa on its face, you, you are saying that in all of its applications, it is invalid. We're saying that the minimal interpretation that the Colorado Supreme Court gave to this in all of its applications is invalid. Because there may be other types of applications of this amendment, we don't have to deal with those in this particular facial challenge because they're basically irrelevant. Ms. Dubofsky, do I understand correctly that what you're saying about what the Colorado Supreme Court said, at a minimum, this amendment immediately repeals all of the laws that are listed, and this group of people cannot be reinstated into this group of laws without a constitutional amendment. And that is what you say is unconstitutional or federal equal protection. Or any other laws of, of general prophylactic rules. There's a difference between general prophylactic rules that pro prevent arbitrary discrimination, such as the rules or statutes that are listed there, but that's not an exhaustive list, and the application or, or you know, case-by-case -case determination of whether a particular denial of admission to a hotel, let's say, is, is covered by Amendment 2. But these, these rules on 24 and 25 don't, as I understand them, prohibit arbitrary discrimination. They prohibit discrimination just on particular grounds, race, sex, homosexual orientation, not how you comb your hair. No, they, they, it's not homosexual orientation, it's sexual orientation in general. The laws that Amendment 2 deals with all are laws that apply to everyone. Amendment 2 only... They do apply to everyone, but they only apply for certain reasons. They are not laws that say no arbitrary discrimination. You can discriminate on very arbitrary bases, just not those particular bases listed. Isn't that right? That could be right. It depends upon the circumstance. But what I'm really trying to point out is that rules such as general, the Boulder Ordinance, let's say, or the state insurance statute, presume that certain types of discrimination can be arbitrary. They're general prophylactic rules. Most of our civil rights laws in this country are effectively enforced by general prophylactic rules. If we had to rely on an individual case-by-case -case enforcement, I don't think we'd have very much civil rights law enforcement. Is there a principle in Colorado law, as in many laws, that, let me explain what I'm thinking, uh, simply that if a private person can often act arbitrarily, often, and you tell that person that they can't discriminate against gays, you've given gays a special protection. Right. But governments, by and large, cannot act arbitrarily anyway. Is there such a principle in Colorado law? Yes, there is. It is in there an Administrative Procedures Act, for example, in Colorado? Yes, there's generally a, a, a 
principle that government cannot act in an arbitrary fashion, that governmental services are available to everyone. So that's why you say, or that you think the Colorado Supreme Court is saying that this law policy, if it means anything, means that Colorado cannot enforce that non-arbitrary principle anyway through rules and regulation. That's correct. Let, let me ask you, counsel, uh, getting away from the wording and, and, and the provisions of this uh, amendment. Uh, suppose that uh, Colorado uh, is concerned that one city has passed an ordinance uh, giving preference to gays in, in uh, employment hiring. And for any number of reasons, the citizens of Colorado do not want that. Some people say they want uniform laws because it's easier on employers. Uh, could uh, the citizens of Colorado, by referendum, repeal that ordinance? Yes, they could repeal that ordinance. W w without any constitutional objection? I think that's correct. Could they also provide that no such ordinance should be adopted in the future? That's where it gets more difficult. That's where our political participation argument comes to play, that by disabling a government from responding to a need for a particular benefit, a type of protection, that depends well, upon the circumstances. It would seem a little odd that, that, yes. that there could be an ordinance enacted, then repealed by the referendum, then the ordinance is enacted again, then repealed, just goes back and forth. That, that seems a little odd. Ms. Dubofsky, could uh, Colorado adopt a law that says any law in our state dealing with discrimination on any ground has to be passed at the state level? It could. The problem that would be valid. Well, it may be. There are other, there are other problems with, with um, dealing with civil rights protections in general. But let's say they passed Amendment 2, but it didn't target gay people. It simply said that no one can obtain any protection from discrimination, uh, arbitrary discrimination for any reason. That would not present the problem that Amendment 2 presents. Amendment 2 is very selective. It targets only one group of people, and that's where it encounters equal protection difficulties. The state may be able to rearrange its process in any number of ways. It just can't do it in a way that prevents one particular group. But the pro I'm sorry. No, that's all right. What, what group does it target? I'm, I'm asking you the same question I asked the Attorney General. Uh, what, what, uh, how do you read the statute uh, uh, when, when, it, when it refers to se uh, uh, sexual orientation, bisexual, homosexual, lesbian, or bisex uh, bisexual orientation, conduct, practices, or relationships? Suppose a person who, uh, who, who uh, let's say, has a, a tendency to, uh, to homosexual conduct but, but has never engaged in homosexual conduct. Is that person... Uh, uh, would, would an ordinance that, uh, that relates to that uh, person be covered by this? Yes, the Colorado Supreme Court did interpret this initiative in this regard. It said that homosexual conduct was subsumed within homosexual orientation. And well, I'm sure it is, but what else? I mean, well, that's the problem. What else? I don't understand what you mean by what else. Beyond homosexual conduct. Well, heterosexual people are not identified exclusively by heterosexual conduct. In the same fashion, homosexual people are not defined exclusively by homosexual conduct. It doesn't mean that heterosexual people don't have a heterosexual orientation. Homosexual people have a homosexual orientation. Well, are you saying then that orientation identifies a group beyond the identification of, uh, by reference to specific homosexual conduct? Yes, it does. Okay, so it's a broader category. Yes. Okay. And that's both, what the both, words are used, both words are used in the amendment. 
Both words are used in the amendment, but the Colorado Supreme Court said that homosexual orientation is broader than homosexual conduct and that the state had been arguing that, well, we'll just sever out the language homosexual orientation from Amendment 2. The, st the Colorado Supreme Court said, no, you can't sever this well, what amendment. If, what if I thought that, uh, that there's a problem with orientation but not a problem with the, other, with the others? Uh, do, you, do you win or lose on this facial challenge? If you thought there was a problem with targeting people based on their homosexual on, on orientation, orientation uh, 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 people who, who do not engage in, in conduct of the sort, uh, but, uh, uh, but have a tendency in that direction. Well, I'm not quite sure what you mean by problem. Do you suppose, mean suppose I find uh, that it would be valid to have such a law directed at conduct, Are there still yes. but not at, uh, directed at uh, something other than conduct. No, we don't lose because Why this don't you law's, lose this, this law is a facial is challenge. You say it has no valid applications. This law is much broader than that, and the minimal interpretation given by the Colorado Supreme Court is that the law covers homosexual orientation as well as conduct, and that they are not severable. But isn't the breadth that you would rely on not that it covers orientation rather than just conduct, but that it, in effect, fences people out of a political process? That's correct. And, and I guess that takes me back to your answer to, I, I guess it was Justice O'Connor, in which you said the... Uh, the constitutional defect was was the manner in which, or or a general constitutional defect, uh, would be targeting homosexuals. Yes. That's not really the, your position, is it? Because if there were an ordinance, let's say there were an ordinance in, in a given city saying there will be no discrimination based on age, handicap, or sexual orientation. Uh, and there were a political move in that city to repeal the reference to sexual orientation, that would be targeted at homosexuals, but it would not run afoul of what I understand your position to be here. Is that correct? I'm not certain I understand Look, what you're if, talking if, about. if you've got an ordinance in a city and it says no discrimination based on age, handicap, or sexual orientation, there's a political move in the city to repeal the reference to sexual orientation. It succeeds. Yes. Is that a violation of equal protection? No. Okay. Uh, Ms. Dubofsky, supposing that uh, in Colorado, at the, shortly before the enactment of this ordinance, there had been agitation, say, by dissident Mormon sects to repeal the prohibition against uh, polygamy that I assume Colorado has. And so the, there's a referendum that says in the, the, the Colorado Constitution says polygamy will always be a felony in the state of Colorado. Now, does that fence out these, uh, these people who would like to see polygamy allowed? Not necessarily, because that's really dealing with much more of a discrete issue. It's not a restructuring of the political process. But they're, they're well, they're, it's certainly restructured. If, if they were agitating before the legislature to try to get a prohibition against polygamy repealed, it certainly fences them out there. They now have to go to a referendum just like your clients do. That's correct. But the particular issue involved is having to do with the identity of the group of people who are engaging in polygamy and it's prohibiting polygamy. The best way I can answer that question is to say, if you substituted bigamous or polygamous into the language of Amendment 2, then you would have a problem, as we point out. But well, here, what, so what sort of a problem would you have? 
you would have a problem of denying people the fundamental right to participate in the political process. Well, so then you say that the, the Colorado cannot say in its constitution either polyg polygamy or bigamy will always be a felony. They could say that in their constitution, Well, yes. would, it, would it be valid under your theory of the federal constitution? To have that in the yeah. Colorado Constitution? Yes, it Well, would. then why is that different from this case? That is different from this case because this case is targeting a particular group of people on a personal characteristic. Well, but, but surely the, the, the dissident sects that want to practice polygamy are a, are a particular group of people, too. That's correct. What they're not being deprived of is a whole category of laws that provide them a benefit the opportunity to seek protection from discrimination. Well, but maybe or this is essential to their religion. Well, then it would come under a whole different uh, way of, of analyzing the issue, and that would be whether it deprived them of a First Amendment. Mr. Bosky, do, do you contend that, uh, do, do, are you asking us to overrule Bowers versus Hardwick? No, I am not. Well, there we said that you could make uh, uh, homosexual conduct criminal. Why can a state not? take a step short of that and say we're not going to make it criminal, but on the other hand, we certainly don't want to encourage it, and therefore we will neither have a state law giving it special protection, nor will we allow any municipalities to give it special protection. It seems to me that the legitimacy of the one follows from the legitimacy of the other. If you can criminalize it, surely you can take that latter step, can't you? What you've done is deprive people based on their homosexual orientation of a whole opportunity to seek protection from discrimination, which is a so very So you do it when thing. you throw them in jail for a felony. No. I'm not talking about orientation now. I'm talking about conduct. If, if we have held it constitutional to make the conduct criminal, how could it be unconstitutional to go somewhat short of that? We don't want to get into the hassle of intrusion into private life and all of that 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 requires. We're not going to criminalize it. On the other hand, we do not think it is conduct that ought to be encouraged, and therefore we will not allow any special protections for it, neither at the state level nor locally. Doesn't, if, if the one is constitutional, must not the other one be? If homosexuals were put into the language of Amendment 2 only in terms of those people who engage in homosexual conduct shall not be entitled to ever seek protection under the civil rights laws, we would say that is unconstitutional. That's a very different thing from saying that you can criminalize homosexual sodomy. But isn't it also true that this uh, law applies to this class of people even if they abstain from their prohibited conduct? That's correct. And it also could apply to people who aren't gay, but who may be perceived to be gay and are discriminated against on that basis. Mr. Bosky, if we could go back to the question Justice Kennedy was asking. I take it your answer to him was your objection is to the permanency, the bar to access to the political process to get something changed. That's but you're not objecting to a, the state saying, we repeal all existing ordinances. That's correct. And that's because the case law and the fundamental right to political participation says a simple repealer is all right. Then how do you answer Justice Kennedy's further question, well, isn't the state entitled to end the ping pong game? The, the, the locality passes it, the state repeals it. The locality passes it again, the state repeals it again. The constitutional bar, in effect, to ever adopting a, a, a protection of any sort or an opportunity to seek protection from discrimination is a very different type of barrier than a simple repealer and reenactment because it means that if the group 
is going to ever obtain any protection, it has to amend the state constitution first. No, but wouldn't you say that it could end the ping pong ball that way if it ends it with respect to all protection against private discrimination? That's correct. That would not be an equal protection. That's right. That's right. But you're saying, if I understand you, you just can't end the ping pong ball for this particular group. That's correct. Or any particular group. It doesn't matter who the group is. You just can't do it this way. But you can end the game. That's correct. You can end the game. If if the state wants to repeal uh, and prohibit any civil rights protections for anybody at any level of the government in the future and do it for everybody. May I ask you a rather, rather elementary question I should know? Did the state file an answer in this case? Did the state file an answer in this case? Yes. Yes. They did file an answer. Yes. I could find it. And we tried the case. Uh, thank you, Ms. Dubofsky. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Timkovich, you have one minute remaining. Your Honor, the Colorado Supreme Court rule basically holds that preemption is unconstitutional. It says that with respect to this issue, this issue, not people, this issue, it must be resolved at the local level, and that people who oppose the substantive policy... I don't see where it said preemption was unconstitutional, as distinct from saying preemption for one identifiable group was unconstitutional. It's preemption of this issue that affects a group, and in James, the court told us... Well, it doesn't... doesn't, the, The ordinance speaks both in terms of issue i.e. basis for claim, and group. It, I mean, it, it refers to both, doesn't it? You can't have one without the other, the way the ordinance is. It's an issue that affects the group, like in James, and like in Gregory versus Ashcroft, where we had an but age restriction in the state. Isn't, isn't it, in effect, uh, uh, defined in terms of the group under, under traditional equal protection analysis, which looks to the intent of the, of the, of the uh, enacting body? Right, and then there would be the question whether a rational basis supports that. Thank, you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Tinkovich. The case is submitted.